Up next on Warriors Roundtable. If you want to make it and survive, you've got to realize that the rest of the world will never understand. And you have to come to peace with that. I was, I was trying so hard to pull myself out of it. And I wasn't dealing with it because it was just easier to just drown myself in work. And I got to the point to where I don't want to be alive anymore. So the psychiatrist looks at me and she's like, you've got probably the worst case of PTSD I've ever seen. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, there's something to be said where you have post-traumatic stress without the D at the end. If anybody were to ask me if it was worth it, I would say absolutely. It was worth it. It was worth it. Every minute of it, it was worth it because I got to experience a lot of love during that time. And I'm still experiencing it now. The views and opinions in this podcast do not represent the Department of Defense, Department of the Navy, or United States Marine Corps. After their deployment in 2008, some called them the Forgotten Battalion. But the Marines and sailors of the United States Marine Corps' 2nd Battalion and 7th Marine Regiment reject the way the Forgotten Battalion moniker encourages that narrative of broken veterans. Instead, these warriors simply want to be remembered for the mission they accomplished and for the honor with which they have served their country and their corps. The majority of 2-7 veterans continue to reflect on their experiences while living their lives and pressing forward. These are their personal stories of resilience, with insight to healthy coping and living with hope. Welcome to the Warriors Roundtable. Today we interview former Staff Sergeant for Fox 27, Master Sergeant Gabriel Guest. Gabe, so welcome back uh, for part two of our interview. Last time you and I talked, we had a chance to kind of hear your story with regards to your deployment in 2008. You talked a little bit about what happened afterwards and the decision to finally allow them to amputate your leg. I'd like to shift gears a little bit uh, for the second part of the interview. If we could, let me ask you this first question. At what point during the process after your 2008 deployment, did you realize that maybe the stress that you were experiencing was beyond your capacity to deal with just within your own self and that you needed to reach out to others? Um, well, it, several different instances. I had a, uh, so, I mean, when you're in the hospital, you're not in control, which is <laughs> rule number one, you know, you're not in control of what's going on. Mm. Um, you're basically, uh, on lockdown, you know, I was, I could get out of my bed. Um, unfortunately, you know, uh, so I needed help and assistance from everybody. So right off the bat, uh, it was humbling uh, to to realize that I had to rely on other people's love and compassion to to uh, make it to the the next day or just do the smallest functions. Mm. Um, so as I'm laying there and I'm going through everything, I remember uh, the doctors telling me one day that I woke up, and this is why I was in Germany getting emergency surgery, that I woke up screaming out. Uh, fire commands or something like that, you know, and, and, and I was like, really, wow, that's means my, my blood, my blood flow, my cortisol levels are still on high octane. And, mm. uh, I, I wasn't, I wasn't coming back down. So 
I woke up one morning and uh, from one of my drug-induced coma, uh, comas, you know, from all the painkillers and stuff. And I looked at the end of my bed and there was this white-haired gentleman uh, named Jack. And uh, Jack was a Vietnam vet. He had been through, I mean, a couple deployments in Vietnam, you know, and uh, received a Silver Star um, and Purple Heart and uh, NAVCOM with a V. I mean, the guy is a proven gunfighter. Well, Jack also came home and went down the, the road of, um, you know, trying to find, like, just the road of, like, coming home from war and, and really not knowing where to turn and, he went through his own trials and tribulations and uh he you know he just asked me a simple question as we we're sitting there he just said hey how you doing marine how you doing devil dog and i said hey um, i'm good who are you you know he started talking and he's like if you need anybody to talk to i'm your guy <laughs> so i'm sitting there and he, you know he's from the east coast and i said mm-hmm. hey sounds good mm-hmm. little did i know that that human being was literally um an angel and i mean he's i can't say enough about him Mm-hmm. Um, he has this huge heart, warrior's heart, was what he, he would like to say. And he s- didn't push me in that direction, but he made me aware that it's there. And he made me aware and that it's okay for me to uh, um, seek help. He's like, hey, you know, you're no good to anybody if your brain's not working right. And I, mm. I said, hey, you know, it, it's a good, you know, good thing. So I, I, I started going and I just started talking to somebody um, off the bat. I started talking to... Uh, a doctor at the hospital and she was, she was great, you know? Um, and I it just felt good to unload. It wasn't just all the things from, from deployments or whatever. It also was a lot to deal with like what I was dealing with, with my body image, what was going on, uh, you know, with my, my, um, you know, I'm losing control of a lot of things as far as being able to walk and, you know, take out the trash on my own or just simple stuff like that. Um, so I needed to get my mind right. So it was like a maintenance thing. Um, and then I remember you coming in and, and, and talking to me and saying, hey, would you talk to the Marine? And the way that was presented to me back then was it was like kind of a mind, body, spirit thing. Your mind and, you know, your, your, your mind and your, your, your body won't get right if you don't take care of your, your spiritual aspect of things. So um, I, um, I started seeking help right away. Now, I was kind of, I was kind of shoddy about it. I didn't, I wasn't like, it wasn't like a workout where I was like, all right, five times a week, I'm doing cardio and all this crazy stuff. I kind of went in once or twice a week or when I was having a bad time, I just would call her up and say, I need to see, you you know, and she was very patient with me because I was all over the place, you know? Um, But that's when I first figured it out that it's kind of a thing. Yeah. But just recently I've realized that it's not just something that you can just say, Hey, I'm going to only do this for this amount of time. And then I'm cured. It's right. a maintenance thing. It's 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 a lifetime maintenance uh, deal. So yeah, yeah, that's a great point. Just like with anything else, right? Just like working out, you don't get in great shape and then stop and maintain it. That's absolutely yeah. It's great, great analogy. Absolutely yeah. yeah. So I uh, I appreciate you bringing up the the Warriors Roundtable, which is where the podcast got its name from. That you did with us at two seven back in two thousand nine, I think it was. Right. Uh, had you come out? I think Jack actually came with you, if I remember. Same guy, yeah. right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. He did. And you all talked to our Marines and sailors from 2-7 and really just kind of communicated the same thing that you just communicated uh, to me, to us, which is that it's 
not only is it okay to talk, but it's critical that so much of the stuff that we end up doing uh, in therapy or the, the things that end up festering and causing problems wouldn't ever get to either of those places necessarily if we would just take the time to, to be humble and to be real and to take care of each other and let ourselves be taken care of by other warfighters. And uh, that, that was great. I can tell you, I didn't know you very well back then, but uh, at that point, I just heard so many overwhelmingly great things about about you and who you were that I realized if we were going to have somebody come speak to these warriors, it needed to be an alpha, for lack of a better word, that they respected. And, and you were it, man. So I... That that was just a, a an absolutely stellar opportunity that you and, and Jack took advantage of, and uh, we'll never know the impact it had. But thank you again for doing that, uh, and in in some ways inspiring this. You know, that's a, it was um, not only I felt uh, the right thing to do and, and an honor, uh, but though I mean those were my brothers, man. You know, and and until this day. You know, guys like Keith Branch, mm. um, Art Carell, uh, Luis Espinoza, uh, Edward O'Hara. Um, I mean, you know, Lanford, Jolliffe, you know, Tomlinson, like all my guys, um, you know, Letcher. I mean, I could go on. The list goes yeah. on. Just, I mean, I would jump on a hand grenade for any one of those guys, and they know that. Um and I love every single one of them. And I mean, they're absolutely complete lions. And if they asked me to do anything, I would be there in a heartbeat. You know what I mean? So there was no question when that happened. I was like, mm. not the most well-spoken guy in the world. But, um, you know, when um, when that, that time came, I, I felt like it was the right thing to do. So those guys could get their gear back on after they had taken a knee and faced out board, drink some water, you know, and yeah. take a breather for a second and then they could repack their kit and go back down range, you know? Yeah. You know, you talk a bit about earlier about the fact that it's a daily, even with our spiritual, mental, emotional selves, it's got to be sort of a daily maintenance thing. It can't, it's not just a one and done. What have you done? What challenges have you experienced? What stressors have you experienced since 2008 2009 and what have you done intentionally to try to to manage some of those things because i know like you were saying it's a whole lot more than just i was in combat i got blown up and i'm dealing with post-traumatic stress we all have a whole host of things uh, that put rocks in our backpack that we're carrying right i call them empty batteries like oh, when you, nice. yeah. when you have a, uh, you got a rucksack, you know, and you got a team and squad, whatever, and everybody's got to pack their gear. Don't hike empty batteries if you don't have to hike empty batteries, you know, mm. this extra weight that you add to your ruck, um, that'll wear you out over time. So some of the things that, that I, um, that I went through, unfortunately, uh, body image was huge um i fought you know for years trying to save it that freaking leg and uh it didn't work out for me um so when i finally lost it it was it was a whole i mean it was four years later after i initially got hit and it was just a whole new ball game it was like starting from square one um 
And that was, that was hard because, you know, I fought so hard to keep that limb and, and, and the, the, the deal was the reason why I fought so hard is because I wanted to get back with my brothers, man. Um, I wanted to go back down ranch with my brothers more than anything in the world. And I was fighting incredibly hard to try to get there or as close as I could get to them. Um, and you know, I got to the point where I was like, oh, this isn't working. I got to fight a different direction. And you know, the whole thing happened. So it was, it was, it, it took the wind out of my sails. It was like, uh, I was watching this Jocko willing uh, interview the other day. And he was like, the count is one. And it was like, this is, you know, he's saying some analogy where an instructor would come out and they'd be doing all this work and working hard and getting to the point. And then they're like, they're like, Hey, the count is one. So they've got to start all back over again. And you have to dig up the intestinal fortitude and motivation to continue on. And I got to be honest, when I got to the point where I was like, God, this is going to have to happen. Mm. It was extremely difficult. It was like losing a loved one. You know what I mean? Um, like losing a loved one because it's, it's a part of your body. It's something you grew, you grew with and, and you know, and, and you don't want to let go of it. And it wasn't like a, uh, when they, they said, hey, you're going to get rid of this leg. It wasn't like, okay, we're chopping it off in five minutes. It was like, hey, it's like 30 days. You got to wait, man. And, you know, so for 30 days, I'm looking and wiggling my toes and, and th- looking at this thing going, oh, God, I've got to get rid of this. Are you kidding me? Mm. So that was hard. And then I remember going into the hospital and, and then putting the epidural on my back. And right before they did it, I wanted to fill my toes one more last uh, one, one last time before I was gone. And, you know, when I woke up, I just remember thinking to myself, you know, before I was symmetrical, I had all my limbs and everything. And after that, I lost a leg. It was like, you know, you, you start dealing with the other different things the stairs and the, 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 you know, the people not, uh, you know, they, they want to say something or, or they say something insensitive or, you know, the little things that get to you and you've got to be patient. And Jack said one of the most brilliant things I've ever heard in my life. He's like, if you want to make it and survive, you've got to realize that the rest of the world will never understand. Mm. And you have to come to peace with that. And I'm still working on that to this day. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I haven't quite mastered that yet. Um, but once again, you know, I, I, I started seeking the help, the mental help, the work it through. And, I, and it was by far the hardest thing I've ever done. And I've done some hard crap. And that, that, was, that was rough, um, saying goodbye, you know, uh, and letting go. Um, and I don't know if I'll ever completely let go because, I mean, I've got it. I earn with my leg in, it, in my living room, you know what I mean? So, yeah. um, you know, and, and dealing with that and then – so I fight and I, and I wind up getting back and, and, and going back to work. And, and, you know, that's a whole other bunch of, you know, you know, tests, I guess I would call it, you know, life tests that I wanted to be a Marine. I didn't want something to be taken away from me. I wanted to, I had a goal and it wasn't, you know, and I knew it was a lofty goal, man. It was, it was, it was, you know, the odds were stacked against me at sticking around the Marine Corps. And I had good friends and great leaders like Ross that would give me chance, Ross Shellhoffs, they gave me chances to prove myself and, 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 and make a comeback. And, you know, and, and if I didn't have those opportunities as hard as they were, I, I don't think um, 
I would have the perspective I do now. And my perspective is not all bad. You know, it, I've had some wins uh, along the way. You know, there's been some rough patches, but I've had some wins. And, and you got to fail forward, I think, you know, um, and, and, I, and I did, um, you know, and sometimes I just straight failed, you know. Um, so learning how to walk again, you know, learning how to, um, you know, the, the, the constant going and getting your legs. The first year of being an amputee is incredibly difficult uh, because nothing stays on your body. You're gaining weight, the drugs. And that, that is one of the, if I, if I can just get one thing, one message out on this interview that I think would actually help somebody watching this is that um, the drugs, and, I, and I've seen guys do this, the medications they give you, you, you go through the process and they give you the drugs to mask the pain and to help you in the healing process. But they don't really draw a deliberate definitive line in the sand to tell you when it's time to get off those drugs. And those drugs are, are a pain in the ass. And when I say drugs, I mean like oxycodone, Dilaudid, you know what I mean? All the different things that help you with pain. They don't help the, the mental aspect of things. I mean, all that, you're, you're putting a chemical cocktail in your body, which is needed to a point, you know? I mean, there's a point where you have to lay down and let your body generate cells and recuperate. Um, but there's absolutely a point where you have to, you have to pop your main parachute, like pull away off your main and pop your reserve. And like, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm a hundred percent, um, an advocate of that. And, and I got severely addicted to, um, the painkillers, you know, not to the point to where, you know, I was, um, trying to sell myself on the corner or anything, but, you know, okay. you know, I mean, but you know, I, I got pretty bad, you know, um, and I, and I was, by the time I had finally lost my leg, I had come off drugs so many times, probably about six or seven times. Wow. We're talking 40 to 60 milligrams of oxycodone a day, mm. sometimes more, sometimes up to 70, 80. Um, and then by the time I got done where it was time to lose my leg, I'd built up such a tolerance and resistance to all these medications that I was worried, you know, that I was going to lose my leg and it was just going to, pain was going to be out of control. Uh, and so I went in full bore. I was like, all right, give me what you got. But then I knew that there was a point, there was another uh, warrior buddy of mine, Sergeant Major, who is way more wounded than I was. So he was definitely a leader I would look up to. Mm. And uh, we were just going through our dope withdrawals together. I remember going to physical therapy and we're just sweating and, you know, praying to the porcelain God. And I remember thinking to myself, this is a problem. Mm. Oh, this is a problem. And, you know, I consider myself a, a somewhat decent, tough human being, you know, and, um, and if I was having that big of a problem coming off the drugs, I mean, I can't imagine a 24 year old or 25, you know, 19 year old young man or young woman, you know, coming off yeah. the drugs. So I was thinking to myself, like dealing with the mental aspect, dealing with the, any kind of post-traumatic, whatever I had, and going with through withdrawals at the same time required a lot of help and a lot of maintenance. Um, and it was, it was difficult, you know, when I, and, and, but I had a goal, um, and I held onto it. Um, and that was my true North, as we were saying earlier, right? You got your compass heading in your true. Um, so sometimes your compass could throw you off depending on what's going on, you know, in your life. So yeah. 
reset myself constantly, you know, set my declination. Right. And that's what would happen. I'd go talk to the, the, uh, the, uh, you know, the, the psychologist and psychiatrist and, and she would set me straight and then it would, I would set my declination again and push forward. And then when it started drifting, I'd go back, you know? Okay. Uh, so yeah, I mean, there was that, uh, what else? And then, you know, I got to the point to where I was working and, and I was full blown doing stuff with other Marines. And then it hit me where I was at a point where I was like, okay, man, you're in your mid to late thirties now. And I'm trying to keep up with all these young kids doing all this, you know, stuff. And, and I, it, it was painful to get to the realization that, um, I can get close, but you're never going to be there. Yeah. 100%. And you had, I had to make adult decisions on some things where I was like, you know, this is going to be more dangerous than, than it's probably needs to be. And I could possibly get somebody hurt because my pride is running the show. You get mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Um, so that was hard dealing with my, my, my physical limitations, you know, um, I'm just so, trying to maybe accept that there was a season in your life that you weren't ready to be over, but maybe it was over for you. It sounds like that, that's, that's absolutely true. Yeah. It, it, I wasn't ready for it to be over, but you know, it was worth it. That's the one thing. It was worth it. If I yeah. had to sacrifice something, you know, and I would have sacrificed more if I had to, you know, I don't mm. think maybe now Zad was worth it. <laughs> But I definitely think my brothers were worth it. Yeah. You know, a hundred percent. You know, and um, so yeah. I mean, they were they were a hundred percent worth it. They were worth mm -hmm. every every minute, every every ounce of whatever pain or, um, you know, crap I had to go through. I mean, they were worth it, man. And I'll never forget that. And and mm -hmm. that that once again is, you know, a little glimmer of the way forward. You know, so. But I imagine for you, it, whatever point that came, it sounds like it was around your, your early mid thirties where you realized you it wasn't so much that you were taking yourself out of the game, but you needed to play a different role in the game. But it probably felt like you were taking yourself out of the game. That must've been really hard. Yeah. I mean, so when I, when I actually, I was down at the boathouse and I was teaching down there and I was running uh, some of the, the training down there and helping, helping, you know, Trained guys for amphib ops and, okay. and small boat ops, scout swimmer, navigation, cox, and all that stuff. And I was doing a lot of the, the water survival stuff. And and as I was going through that, I, I was like, hey, I didn't need a real job. And then Ross gave me the real job. And I went to uh, SOI and I realized, like, wow, my peers are really smart and I, they're way better than I am. I need to, you know, and I surrounded myself. And he was smart because he surrounded me with people that are way better than I am at everything. Mm -hmm. um, and they brought me, they lifted me up to, I like to think close to their level, you know? Yeah. Um, and I did that for a few years and that helped me. Um, cause I was training guys to go down range. I wasn't doing it myself, but I was, I was close. I was training them on all the lessons I learned and I was constantly studying and trying to figure out new TTPs and weapons employment stuff. So I could teach these guys, to make them better than, than what, what I was, you know? Right. And, and I'd like to say, I, I influenced that i mean the guys like i was saying earlier in the last interview i mean they're they're phenomenal these days i mean they're, they're, they're brains so i got to be part of that and once at that point i was a gunny and then i winded up getting a, a, a an opportunity to go to a special operations training group 
now EOTG. Um, and I taught there for a few years uh, at the Rays Ropes and Recovery. And that's where I really kind of learned uh, that what my ailments were, like how I could work around them. Um, you know, I got put into some scary situations where I was like, wow, I am definitely an amputee and I probably shouldn't be doing this. Um, you know, and, and you know, when I was at in backtrack, when I was at school of infantry and I was instructing there, that's where I actually lost my leg. Um, so I came in and I talked to, to Ross and I said, Hey, um, you know, they told me I got a pretty bad infection and they're gonna, and it's weird how God works because all of a sudden I'm with the, the leader of us, the leader of us in Afghanistan, the main man, you know, uh, yeah. back then it was, it was major shell hoss, you know, and, and I'm, I'm sitting there with Ross and I'm like, Hey, uh, this has got to happen. And he looked at me and he, you know, Ross doesn't get choked up. He's pretty stoic. You know what I mean? That's not really what he does. And, uh, I mean, even I can see it in him a little bit. He was like, well, you know, and, uh, I could see that it affected him just a little bit. Not much, you know, but we sat there and, and he said, okay, when's it happening? And uh, so this whole thing goes down and I'm like, all right, I'm like, I'm going to get back. He's like, all right. And he calls me one day and he's, we're talking and, and we're talking about timelines and when am I going to be able to get back to run the course? And I'm like, I'll be back in you know, four or five weeks. And he says, all right. And I'm like, so that was my gleaming light to like get off the drugs as fast as possible. Get, you know, get out of here as fast as possible. Get, be able to drive. So, because I had a goal and he helped me with that. I don't know if he knows that to this day, but like he helped me. Hmm. Uh, and I did, I got myself back to work. Um, and I know it was painful for him. <laughs> I appreciate it. Um, and then once that happened, I, I did a couple of years at SOI teaching dudes, you know, cause that's, like I said, I was learning how to walk it. During the day, going to physical therapy and rushing back to work to get to the range with the Marines or do some stuff and, and you know, do some paperwork. Yeah. Uh, so then I got done with that and I uh, got orders over to uh, MEF, like we were talking about. And I went over there and taught uh, um, raids, saw the raids packages, um, yeah, raid leaders course. And I did a uh, Hearst Master and Assault Climber School. Okay. Wow. Yeah, and I wanted up doing that, and uh, that's where I really learned that, like, everybody's bigger, stronger, faster than I am, and I'm broken. Um, there was a few things I wasn't able to keep up on. I, I gave it my best, but there's a few things that, you know, I, I got a, a rude awakening, um, especially, like, movements. You know, when we do long movements, um, I, had a, I had one instance where I, I wasn't able to, to make it as uh, far as everybody else. and. Um, it, it tore my leg up pretty good. And I just mm. remember thinking like, man, it, it rocked my world. It was like a huge taking the wind out of my sails kind of deal, you know, like, yeah. what am I still doing here? But the Marines, you know, they were good about it. Uh, and I was, I was one of them. They didn't look at me any differently. And, and I, and that was a huge, that was a therapy within itself. It was just being with my brothers. Um, and you know, surrounding yourself with people that are, that are loving and better than you, uh, in so many different ways and just taking away what you can from them. Help me stay on course. Mm. So I wound up getting back to a point where I, I went to fifth Marines um, and went on deployment with them. Uh, did the, did a deployment over in CENTCOM and uh, um, during that deployment, this is where I was probably tested um, extremely hard. 
um and a few months into it my uh my ex-wife just said decided that we were not going to be um a a thing anymore Mm. and i was three months into it it was 90 days and i was like wow got about seven months left to go here you know and just to be clear she was not your ex-wife at the time she was your wife no no she she just said that you know and and i didn't want to tell the kids or anything like that so i Mm. just kept myself and rocked the rest of the deployment tried to keep myself as busy as possible doing stuff uh, Mm. whenever i could which sometimes you know idle hands kind of deal and that how long had you been married at that time gabe uh almost 12 years i think wow yeah um yeah i mean you know with me through all of the trials and tribulations you know Mm -hmm. Uh, and she saw a lot of things that um possibly quite possibly uh could have helped the process um as far as the separation um but i i lost i lost it you know i i literally was in the worst place in the world and um now i fought to the point to where i was back and all of a sudden i was back to square one and if you want to talk about being tested you know and i had been through oh god 33 surgeries at that point maybe wow. by my leg you know with washouts and everything else and quadriplasties and plastic surgery this and mm. os- um, ortho that and you know i mean it was just it was hellacious and i learned to walk probably four or five times and kicking the drugs uh, you know so many times and you know dealing with just everything i had to deal with and now i literally had come home to um i was like what am i going to come home to I've, i have nothing anymore um and i was low i was in a low spot it was, it was downrange and I, I um i didn't know I was almost ashamed that I had this moment of weakness, um, and 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 I, I couldn't. I was I was trying so hard to pull myself out of it, and I wasn't dealing with it because it was just easier to just drown myself in work. Yeah. Um, and that's when um, you know the post-traumatic stress when I came home and all of the, 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 the op tempo slowed down and I didn't have all these crazy things going on. And, you know, I couldn't go to the gym or, or slay myself on a, on a, you know, some kind of workout where all the noise stopped and the silence was just uncontrollably difficult. Hmm. And I got to the point to where, I don't want to be alive anymore. And, uh, it, uh, it was difficult 
<clears throat> to say the least. Um, and I'm still, still working through it, you know, um, mm -hmm. just trying to, uh, be a better man, be a, a better father. Um, you know, I've, I've made so many mistakes and I've been away doing stuff, being selfish, <laughs> um, in my own way, you know, doing what I thought was right, realizing that maybe there's more to life than uh, kicking indoors. But boy, do I love to kick indoors, you know. <laughs> sure. um, and uh, um, so, yeah, it it was rough. And I wanted up having to do uh, a lot of soul searching. Uh, so I got to the point where I was like, hey, uh, it's time to hang up the uniform. You know, uh, I love the Marine Corps. Um, the thing I love most about the Marine Corps are the Marines. Mm -hmm. And believe it or not, every, you know, as I was on that, that, that deployment and, uh, um, you know, when I came home, my brothers, you know, buddy Mike DeLeon and Matt Regner and, you know, um, Timmy Palumbo and Roger Turner, all these great people like just surrounded me. Um, and my mother and, you know, my family surrounded me with their love immediately, no question. Um, and, uh, you know, I started doing what everybody does <laughs> when yeah. something like this happens to start sipping on grandpa's old cough medicine a little bit too much. Yeah. Um, you know, and I got to the point where I scared myself. So I, I, I started, uh, you know, I, I came all the way out here. Now I'm stationed in Texas for my mm -hmm. final, my final last hundred yards. And I'm, I'm acting as a company first sergeant out here at uh, San Antonio running the show and it's a different animal and taking care of everybody else. You, 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 you gotta, you kind of lose, uh, lose track of where you're at every once in a while. You gotta, do a resection to figure where the hell you're at on the ground. And I, you know, I reached out to the brothers of mine, reached out to Jack, uh, went and I seeked uh, uh, help, you know, got my butt over to prosthetics. Uh, got a great boss, a guy named uh, Chad Humphrey, Lieutenant Colonel out here. He's great, takes care of me, great people, you know, uh, all the way around this whole debt, you know, we've got great people out here and, and they, same thing as always, the brothers and sisters don't let you drop, you know, they pick you back up. And right. uh, that's basically where I'm at right now, you know, I'm dealing, dealing with this and, and uh, I've got um, good support system and uh, I'm hoping um, that, uh, that I can turn things around um, with a little help, a little extra extra help maybe some wind in my sails to help push me forward um well like they say at mighty oaks warrior programs never fight alone it sounds like you're ensuring that you engage the whole fire team and you stop trying to to, to do it on your not that you ever were trying to do it on your own uh, necessarily but you've really made sure that you got a whole team that you've surrounded yourself with that's going to lift you up absolutely it was uh the uh uh yeah, the, 
the Marines and uh, the family I got out here, you know, uh, you know, they're not going to let me fall. They're not going to let me fail. So, right on. yeah, it's good. It's really good. Thank you, brother. I really appreciate your honesty. Uh, I know that a lot of times it's, again, when you're a warfighter, uh, to admit that you're having a hard time or to admit weakness uh, seems wrong, feels wrong. It's embarrassing, but it's honest. There's not a single human being that I've ever met that's got it all together. You know, I think God has created us intentionally to have to be dependent not only on him, but on each other uh, because it humbles us. It's right, hum right. humility is unfortunately underrated. You know, we know a lot of the leadership traits like bearing courage, dependability, decisiveness, judgment, justice, tact, all that. But unselfishness is one of them. And a great synonym for unselfishness is humility. Um, it's greatly underrated. And I appreciate your humility and not only making the choices you made, but being willing to share your story. I think there's a, a ton of people, combat vets, who are going to be able to, to relate to, I mean, most of what you said may be unique to Gabe Guest, but I think everybody can take a piece out of that. The, the body image, the sense of being misunderstood or not appreciated because of what you've been through, the, uh, the addiction, the learning how to walk four or five times for guys that have, have lost uh, a leg or legs, um, dealing with a, a broken marriage, a failed marriage, um, 33 surgeries, you said, is that right? Yeah, 33 I, towards the end, yeah. Um, you know, and it just goes to show you that we're also made to be remarkably resilient if we engage the right uh, resources, starting with getting God fighting in your corner and getting others fighting in your corner. Um, let me ask you a slightly different question, because a lot of times um, these stories of overcoming adversity are, are remarkable, but we can focus on the adversity. How, when you and I talked in between these two interviews, uh, at one point we were talking about how post-traumatic stress doesn't have to be a disorder. Uh, and in fact, it doesn't have to be bad at all. Just like any stress, it can make us better. Um, it takes more intentionality and more effort, but it can make us better. Do you feel like your experience or your experiences, not just in combat, but all the things that you just talked about, have they made you better? Uh, and, and if they've shaped you in a positive way, how so? So, yeah, it's like, so the post, like everybody likes to throw post-traumatic stress disorder around. Um, my buddy Jack would always tell me that you've been enlightened. You know, when you're back here in in, in the in this country, it, it, you walk around. You don't really need to worry about stepping on ID or you know taking RPGs your vehicle, things like that. You know, yeah. and it's very quiet. You feel safe and you take it for granted. But once you leave and you realize that the world is can be a very uh, very dangerous and destructive place. Um, and, and it could be also it could be a heartless place. It kind of opens your eyes to the dangers that you may face or that do exist. So it makes you aware um, and you have a heightened sense of awareness, I think, on some things. 
and it's because you, you understand like what um, humans, human beings are capable of doing, you know, um, and you understand the ugliness uh, that can come with that. Um, there, I, I think there's, there's something to be said where you have post-traumatic stress without the D at the end, the disorder. Um, and I was talking to a really good friend of mine, and, and what I said was is that post-traumatic stress disorder, once it becomes a disorder, it steals your ability to see the light in anything. Mm. Steals your ability to see the good in anything. Mm. Steals your ability to see the good in mankind and the world, and that takes the wind out of your sails, and it also affects your ability to continue with your life whatever goals and, and uh, um, you know, aspirations you may have in the future seem unattainable because you're dealing with your anxiety. You may be driving down the street and all of a sudden you feel like you have, your heart's going to jump out of your throat, you know, uh, yeah. because it's a bad anxiety attack. I, I know I've been there. Um, so once it gets to the disorder part, that's where you just get very depressed and, and, and all that. And, and, and I'm no expert. But I do know that there are things that have made me a better human because I've had to go through the test mm. and I came out the other side. Um, I'm not perfect. Oh, man, I've got so many flaws. You know, I am an unperfect, uh, the most imperfect person ever, you know. <laughs> um, but I will say that um, I have not lost my ability to love. And I have not lost my ability to care about others. And I have yeah. not lost my ability to, um, uh, you know, um, continue um, with my life, whatever that, wherever that may lead me. And I, and I, 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 I think that's because of, um, some of the positives that I was able to bring out of this experience. Mm -hmm. And there are some, you know, I've learned resiliency. I've been tested, you know, physically, emotionally, um, you know, that goes with spiritually, um, mentally. Uh, I just, in all kinds of different ways. And I've, I've learned human compassion from others like what, what the good is in some people. And when I actually take a step back and look at all the doctors and the nurses and the Marines and, you know, the guys running out to pull me, you know, away from the vehicle and, mm. you know, Doc Hancock calling me when I was in the hospital and, you know, Ross giving me a job and uh, people giving me a chance to, to stay with them, you know, uh, be one of the team and give me that opportunity. And, you know, how now I connect with Marines from those days still. And I just, you know, my family, my mother, God bless her. Oh man, I've just, she is the angel, you know, cause she has put up with so much of my stuff. <laughs> and, um, you know, I love her. Mm. I love you, mom. Um, and, you know, I just think, that you know we were talking about that greater love you know deal and that's absolutely true i don't think um 
I think I haven't lost the ability to do that, which is, is a godsend. And uh, um, I'm a little bit more standoffish these days. I don't open up in conversations. Sometimes I don't like being in areas I don't know. I always look at the door, you know, all the common, <laughs> yeah. the common stuff. But I think that um, the experience, you know, and, and what I was able to give other Marines when I came home was absolutely, uh, was priceless, you know, mm -hmm. and I learned a lot of hard lessons. Um, and you know, I think, like I said earlier, when we were talking, was it worth it? You know, if anybody were to ask me if it was worth it, I would say, absolutely. It was worth it. It was worth it. Every minute of it, it was worth it because I got to experience a lot of love during that time and I'm still experiencing it now. And, uh, yeah. uh um, it's given me the courage to open doors and not be afraid what, what goes on and to persevere through, um, some adversity and a guy, I know there's going to be more. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it never ends. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Especially with my luck. Uh, <laughs> yeah. so I think it's know. just, it's, uh, it's life and, you know, and God will never give you more than you can you can handle, and He'll always give it to people that He knows can endure. But sometimes I know you sit there and you wish, okay, enough love, God. Like I can take a, a little break right now, right? Right. But, but uh, you're right. It's it's peaks and valleys. You know, there's there's more challenges up ahead. But you know, I'd love to think you're better equipped to to handle those too because of everything you've experienced. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. I hope so. so <laughs> what are some of the resources that maybe you could share for somebody who's listening to this, who's a little bit further back in their journey, you know, maybe back where you were at some point? So, um, to be quite honest with you, I just went to Navy medicine, um, at the beginning and I just said, Hey, I need help. Yeah. And at the beginning, it was easy uh, because, you know, the war was going on. So everybody was very in tune with supporting the warfighter. Um, you know, that was the focus. They would support the warfighter, support the warfighter, support the warfighter, you know. Um, and, you know, so it was easy. Um, so Navy Medicine was real. They had a, a clinic called C5, the Combat Comprehensive Care Clinic. Okay. Uh, you know, and I've all, I also know about military one source. Um, you can go to them and, uh, and that's it, on, you know, you don't want to talk, you know, you don't want your chain of command to know or whatever you, you, you can do that as well. I, I never, uh, really use that for any of my, um, issues with, with the leg or, or, you know, any kind of combat stress. Uh, but I did use Navy medicine and, uh, C5 clinic down in Balboa. And then, uh, when I, when I, when I came, there was a long period of time where I just didn't do a whole lot of uh, mental health. You know, um, I, I didn't really use it. I didn't do it. Um, wasn't saying I was doing well. I was just so busy, you know, drowning myself in work and, and, and doing my job that yeah. I just didn't really notice. Uh, I'm sure other people noticed. <laughs> I mean, I bet you my mom right now is, be watching this going oh yeah you had a lot of signs and symptoms Gabe you should have went you know 
but I was just drowning myself in work. And I just figured yeah. if I did that, it would, it would do, it would do what we needed. Um, mm -hmm. so, uh, anyway, so when I came here, you know, I was part of a battalion that specializes in, and, uh, your transition or, or return to duty RTD, you know, um, and so I, I went in and it was different. It was a different experience. It, 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 you know, it was, it was, it was like my buddy Clint Telt says, he's like, Hey man, it's muscle memory loss, you know? Um, and you know, it, it's because we're so, we've been doing this war and fighting this for so long that, you know, there isn't, you know, 20, 30 combat wounded guys coming in every week, you know? from Iraq or Afghanistan, you know, just here, I'm sure it was more like a hundred. Um, but you know, so, um, it, it took a while to get in, to see somebody this time. It wasn't, it wasn't just like a wham, bam, you know, it, it took, it took a while. Yeah. So during that time, I, I reached out to friends, um, talked to buddies, you know, and I, and I waited and waited and waited. And then I finally got in to, to, to see uh, somebody to, to talk through my issues. And um, they make you take this test. And they're like, all right, we're going to have you take this test. It's a written test. And we want you to, you know, talk about all the crazy stuff that's happening in your life. And I know what they're doing, you know. Yeah. Dear school, I'm going to resist my captors at all costs. <laughs> You got a choice, you know, you can lie on this test and not get any treatment at all or, or, you know, tell the truth. And, you know, so I was like, all right, I'm going to tell the truth. I'm going to tell them what's going on. And they, the poor lady who read this is just like, ah, okay. So the psychiatrist looks at me and she's like, you've got probably the worst case of PTSD I've ever seen. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, I'm like, yeah, says you, what do you know with your degree and smart stuff? Right. You know? Um, so I'm sitting there and I'm like, I'm like, okay, I don't want to talk about PTSD. I want to talk about the stuff that happened to me on deployment right. with this past deployment. I want to work through that. And she's like, yeah, that's great. But you know, your PTSD is your real problem. So we went mm. back and forth with that for a while. And, and, you know, I finally, um, uh, submitted somewhat and, um, you know, I talked to, uh, um, I've talked to friends and I, and I talked to you more than anybody. Uh, and, and the reason why I talk to friends about a lot of stuff is like I said earlier, chaps, like going to some of these appointments is mentally. And I think this is why mighty Oaks, and some of these other places do so well. Um, it's yeah. mentally exhausting to try to explain something to somebody who's never been there mm -hmm. and to relive the story over and over again. Every time they switch out the, uh, task organization of the the mental health clinic you know what i mean your provider is yeah exactly. mentally exhausting you know and you got to like spin them back up on what's going on mm -hmm. and they're writing a bunch of notes but if you've actually talked to somebody who's been there you know they already know your story so they already understand what's going on so i think reaching out to my brothers and picking up the phone you know because it's 21st century we can use cell phones Right. Uh, you know, and I'm not the best in staying in contact with everybody. Um, but I think that has helped me more than anything. Mm. 
because it's true you know when your brothers are like you know facebook or whatever else call me anytime don't be yeah. stupid don't do something dumb and blah 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 they mean it man they're not joking i've had a million phone calls you know of buddies of mine from whatever unit i've been with and i've been with a few calling me with some of the, the same things and you know their story and you can steer them back on set their declination again and get them back on course and, and quite frankly that's been my a godsend mm. you know um, talking to you every week talking to my buddy jack talking to ross um you know whoever my buddy eddie talking to him yeah you know whoever will listen and <laughs> to talk to people that have been there and understand I, yeah no i think it goes back to what you were saying earlier how you know it's or what we were talking about earlier how there's just so much benefit to just having these conversations that you know so much of our problems and so much of the therapy would be would go away or be unnecessary if we just do exactly what you're doing so that's good you know it, one of the things that you when i listen to your stories whether it's about your your experience in combat or whether it's the way you address and attack the the issues that you've been facing that have nothing to do directly with combat is and i've told you this before but doing the right thing is usually a very simple choice it's not necessarily an easy choice but life can seem very chaotic it can seem like there's just so much going on around you that feels like the decision is difficult but the reality is you you didn't necessarily engage a lot of different or unique resources because you knew the that the decision that you needed to make was pretty simple you needed to you know whether it was overcoming your addiction you needed to get up and fight you know but you you need to get a fire team around you metaphorically speaking to support you and you've done that at every turn the other thing I'm taking away from what you're what you've been talking about, which I really appreciate, is just you think back to the guys you lost. You think to the guys that uh, you currently know, whose uh, whose lives and who mem whose memories you honor. And it sounds like even in your worst moments, there's a part of you that gets outside, stops thinking about yourself, just to be blunt, and you start thinking about others. And you think about the impact that your choice, your negative choice or your positive choice would have on these other people, your friends, your family, Marines you've lost, Marines who you're, you're still linked up with now who, who look up to you. And that helps get you through some of your, your darkest moments. And I think those are, those are both two really good take-home points for all of us. So thank you. Yeah, I think... One of the things I, I was reading this the other day, you know, and it says when you kill yourself or do commit suicide or something like that, and I'm just going to get blunt and get to the point because, you know, uh, there's been a lot of that in this battalion, you know, um, mm -hmm. unfortunately. But when you do that and you make that call, and I'm not above anybody else, I mean, I just spilled my guts for, you know, few hours here just talking through all, all the trials and tribulations that are all made you know right on you don't really solve anything you, you make it so you're never going to be able to experience anything you, you you end your story it's like pushing stop on the vcr and throwing the the you know 
the VHS tape, VHS tape away, right? For those that know what you're talking about, right? Right. 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 We could even go back further and call, you know, the beta things. Remember that? Absolutely. And then add, yeah. Over right. It's back in the olden days yeah. when we used horse. Um, so, um, but it also doesn't get rid of your pain. It just gives it to somebody else. Mm-hmm. You know, and. I don't want to give that to my kids. <laughs> yeah, right on. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Or anybody else. You know, that's mine to carry. You know, so I'll take care of it, you know, and turn that into something worthwhile. So And you've yeah. got other people to spread load with, but but you you think about all these these folks like your children and I know you have you've got a wonderful group of people around you and including your son and and I know, like me, you want your children to be able to look themselves in the mirror and know that their man, their excuse me, their dad was a man of integrity. And that's going to give them a positive legacy and a positive identity to live with for the rest of their lives. That's great. That's great. Yeah, absolutely. So, Gabe, thank you again. I really appreciate the time that you spent giving me a second interview to talk at a very personal uh, meaningful level about some of the challenges you've had as well as some of the ways you've overcome those challenges i really think not only has it impacted me it's going to have a significant impact on anybody who listens to your story so thanks for being here again tonight absolutely i appreciate you chaps thank you sir um and all my brothers out there uh, hope to see you next reunion sorry i missed you guys this year be retired soon so that'll be great and then i'll make them all <laughs> right on Have a good night, Gabe. You too, sir.